0: Beautiful, just beautiful. Um, in the holy and sacred name of our Father, I welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I have been uh, sick recently. I have been very ill. Perhaps you recall noticing my name along the prayer chain not too long ago. I have had an illness Take up residency in my life and just won't leave. I tell you what, it has uh, this particular malady has taken hold of me and just won't let go. And um, I wanted to let you know that I am feeling marvelously better now, uh, as evidence as I'm standing before you. But I wanted to say that um, I felt you uh, praying for me. Um, <clears throat> I felt uh, the blessings coming from my father. Uh, because of all of your your kind and thoughtful prayers. And, you know, I know that my father knows my name, but uh, now he remembers it because you mentioned it to him. So that is not a small gift. Thank you. There have been times where I'm sure you've said to yourself that there is nothing more than I can do. There's nothing else that I can do. There's nothing more that I could possibly do. All I can do now is I, I, just, I can only just pray now. Um, there's nothing else that I can do. I, I can just pray. And I wanted to take a moment to tell you this morning that there is no just when you pray. You don't just pray. I'm standing as physical evidence your Lord hears. One of the the difficult things I find in uh, coming to church is uh, battling my own spirit. So uh, take a moment now, settle your thoughts, all of the intrusive thoughts that you have that come in from outside, all of the the burdens that you you carry with you. Concentrate your mind, let no intrusive thoughts come in, even as the the beautiful hymn that we, we heard just sung to us a moment ago Let your heart, let your mind be wholly concentrated on the Lord. Our dear brother Ed has labored diligently this week, and the Lord has blessed him, and I'm sure he will bless us uh, as part of that. I find myself in good fortune. I'm able to stand beside and be associated with the men you see seated before you. From the wisdom of King David, in the 37th, 37th Psalm, we can read these words here at the end. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall come, and they shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. And he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Please open your hymnals and stand with me now and sing hymn number 342, O oh, for a faith that will not shrink, after which we'll have our invocation by Brother Ray Wheeler. Hymn number 342. you
1: Father which art in heaven, we do come to you today with grateful hearts, Father, for all of the blessings that you've bestowed upon us, for the opportunity we've had to come here today, Father, to worship you and to acknowledge the blessing that we have as a nation, as a people, as a church. Father, you've blessed us so richly so many times, have lifted us up when we've been down. And as we come to you today, Father, we remember all of those who have sacrificed and gave their lives for this, this promised land that we have the opportunity to live in. And I pray, Father, as we have met together here today, that we reach out to you, Father, the Holy One, And as I pray, Father, I pray for my brother Jeff, and I pray for my brother Ed, that you would bless and be with them. May the words that they speak come from you, Father. May each one of us, as we seek to draw nearer to you, as we feel your blessings upon us, we praise you, Father, and thank you for all that you do for us, and consider it an honor to be here today in your house to receive your spirit. Bless each one who is here, Father, we pray, in the name of your Son, even Jesus the Christ. Amen.
0: that we might have prayer. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, hallowed and sacred is thy name. I pray thee, Father, as a minister in thy church, recognizing that you have blessed us, each of us, in our uh, families and as our congregation. Multitude have been your blessings. You have showered us with your gospel, with your truth, with your protection, with your priesthood, your direction, and uh, always with your guiding hands as a congregation, and as individual families. I pray thee, Father, in thankfulness recognition of um, uh, mercy and a boundless uh, love towards your creation. I pray thee, Father, asking that as we, these monies are collected, that those who uh, give to the offertory, that they will be blessed. Those who would give if they could, they also be blessed. And as these monies are dispersed, and that for the furtherance and the building up of thy kingdom, for we are told, Father, to seek first to build up the kingdom of God. And as these monies are dispersed, that it should build up your kingdom, I pray thee, Father, that you would bless them in their disbursement, and it might be for the improvement of our world around us. I pray, Father, that your name be glorified forever and ever. A praise, glory, and honor to you. In Christ's holy name, amen.
2: For scripture reading, I share these words from you, with you out of uh, the book of Galatians, chapter five. Starting at uh, verse 13, moving to 14. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And from Second Nephi 1, starting at verse 115. And Adam fell that men might be, and men are, that they may, they might have joy. And the Messiah cometh in the fullness of time that he may redeem the children of men from the fall. And because that they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good from evil. To act for themselves and not to be acted upon, save it be by the punishment of the Lord at the great and last day, according to the commandments which God hath given, Wherefore, men are free because men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediation of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and the power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. And now, my sons, I would that ye should look to this great mediator and hearken unto his great commandments and be faithful unto his words and choose eternal life according to the will of his Holy Spirit. Thank you, ladies. I thank you, Vida and Amy, for that beautiful ministry music. And Sherilyn, thank you for that offering as well. You know, we are mindful of the sacrifices oftentimes as we stop and ponder of those that have gone before us. And I'm uh, thankful uh, for those that are in our midst today that have found themselves in service to this country to provide a land of freedom and this land of providence and so i thank you for your service for those many that are in here i appreciate your sacrifice and your willingness to serve you know memorial day is a day uh, that was once called a decoration day back in 18 uh, back in 1868 uh, it was first recognized after the Civil War and the, so much bloodshed and so much death. They recognized the sacrifice of those soldiers on both sides. And the first national uh, commemoration was given by the uh, former Union General and sitting Ohio Congressman by the name of James Garfield, who was also the 20th President of the United States later he made a speech there in Arlington and then some 5000 participants went and placed memorials on all of those stones tombstones that were there and after world war 1 and it became more popular and in 1971 it was recognized as a national holiday and that's what we set aside today the last monday of may as a day of remembering those sacrifices, and even those ones that we knew not of, those tombs, as our uh, brother has shared from this pulpit before, that the tomb of the unknown soldier, those that had gone into battle, never returned and weren't able to be laid to rest. And in that uh, commemoration and that service in 1868, uh, James Garfield uh, said these words and I found it interesting that I was studying on the Kirtland temple and I was uh, looking through some of the writings and information that brother Tommy Thomas had shared. And, uh, he had, he had stated that, uh, <clears throat> James Garfield actually as a boy spent time in the upper room of the temple where they had elementary school. And, uh, that 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 point has been contested on different places, but I'm going to stick to the word of Tommy, who spent many years there in service in that in that area. But James Garfield mentioned these words: "We do not know one promise these men made, one pledge they gave, one word they spoke, but we do know they summed up and perfected by one supreme act the highest virtues of men." And citizens, for love of country, they accepted death, and thus resolved all doubts, and made immortal their patriotism and their virtue. We can find countless examples of this virtue of serving others. A good friend of mine—I well, he's gone now—but a brother Tom Dooley. He attended many years down at Chihuahua Branch. And uh, he was a great-great-grandson of Joseph Luff. And I found it uh, interesting that I end up drawing near to some, uh, drawing close to some elderly men because I like to find wisdom in their, what they've learned in life. And I can share with you before I share about Tom is that most all of them that I can recall had mentioned they wish they had done more. And there are times I get pulled many different directions, and when they say wish they had done more, they wish they had done more for the gospel. They'd wish they had done more for the kingdom building purposes. And so I recognize that is the nature of man is to not do those things while we have time to do them. Well, Tom Dooley was on the front lines of the Korean War, and he, uh, he was actually a cook. But they had a Ford operating base that was out in the middle of enemy territory where they were trying to do the work. And he was right on on the back edge of the front line serving the food to to those those that were serving and fighting. And even to the point his mother had given him a little stationery to sit there in his tent. And at one point a a bullet had come through the tent and struck the stationery that was in front of him. And he said it saved his life. it redirected that round. The time came when uh, the enemy had recognized and surrounded their entire camp. And all those on the front line said, they have us completely surrounded and we are on the verge of being taken over. Before, morning, before the sun comes up, they will attack. And the whole camp was in a, a fury and they were running about trying to do what they could to secure themselves. And uh, then as uh, the line started to break on one of the fronts, the, an air attack came in from the allies and it uh, took out the enemy. And, he, and he, I'll never forget my brother Tom sharing at the time when he was in that conflict. And they, he, 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 they yelled and they shouted and they, they, they screamed for joy because they had been spared. And then how it was so many years later, some 40, 50 years later, he reflected back and how it was that he was cheering for the death of another And this thing called war and conflict that is a real thing, and we see it transpiring in the world today, causes a dichotomy of sorts in our life as those that wish to serve and be kingdom builders. We find ourselves thrust into times of uncertainty where we must protect ourselves, possibly. And there's times in which we want to prefer our brothers. We want to prefer others, and we want to hold them up and love them because, you know, Christ created them and gave them that opportunity to live. And so you and I have the privilege and the honor and the duty to live in this land of freedom. And we sit here today because of those sacrifices. That's a flag that symbolizes liberty and freedom, of the sacrifices of many others. And it's said oftentimes that all gave some, but some gave all. And we remember those that gave all today and at this time of year. You know, there's a, there's a need for us to remember that there is a, a cause, a responsibility, if you will, a mission that's higher than your life and my life. Our lives have to have purpose beyond what we want to fulfill it with. And we find a good example of those, what those things might be in the book of Alma, chapter 21, where we hear about uh, Moroni, Captain Chief Moroni. And, we, and it says here, we, we can, you can look ahead in that verse where it talks about how uh, Amalekai, uh, Amalek uh, was carrying the people away with his flattering words, and he led them away in the hearts of the people, and he was attacking the church of God to destroy the foundation of liberty which God had granted unto them. And as chief commander of the armies, the Nephites, we are told that Moroni had said these words, And it came to pass that he rent his coat, and he took a piece thereof and rode upon it. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Some of you may not know because we have a, our flag is furled over here. But if you were to unfurl that flag and I was to hold that white flag out there on your right and my left, you would find this scripture verse. And I think it's important to note. And he took the piece thereof and wrote upon it, In memory of our God, our religion, and freedom, and our peace, our wives, and our children. And he fastened it upon the end of a pole thereof, and he fastened on his headplate and his breastplate and his shields, and he girded on his, uh, his armor about his loins. And he took the pole, which had on the end thereof a rent coat, and called it the title of liberty, and bowed himself to the earth, and he prayed mightily unto God for the blessings of liberty, to rest upon his brethren so long as there should be a band of Christians who remain to possess the land. Yea, all those who were true believers in Christ took upon them gladly the name of Christ, or Christians as they were called, because of their belief in Christ, who should come and therefore at this time Moroni prayed that the cause of the Christians and the freedom of the land might be favored, and saints and friends alike. We sit today in the land of freedom, a land that's been set apart, that God's work might come forth, that we can see how it is that God has given us providence, but with not with the not not though without expectation that we be good stewards. You see, there's this. Um, Interesting fact about your life and my life God breathed into the dust and created man and so we live because Christ gave, gave us life and we carry a portion of that spirit with us of, his, of that love that he created us in and you and I have a, an, inst, a, a, an instinct if you will of involuntary response to seek life and to treasure it We avoid conflict. We generally avoid any uh, threat of violence. If I was, I'm not going to ask you to do this. If I was going to ask you to hold your breath as long as you can and you passed out, your body would continue to breathe on its own once you passed out. If you have something happen instantly in front of you, you have these instincts of flinching, of responding to a threat of uncertainty by ducking, blinking, swiping. You didn't even process thinking about it. It happens because you protect life. And when we understand how fragile life is, we see how it is that fear can seep in to that sustaining of life, how we want to control all the outcomes of life. And as a person ponders and understands how it is that fear works in our life, we can, we can have opportunity to let fear have too big of a hold in our life, and we have to get put fear in its proper place. We find these words in Second Timothy, which I would commend you to consider. Second Timothy chapter 1 and 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, it goes on to say, But, the, but thou, the but partaker of affliction of the gospel, according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You know, this natural instinct for us to protect our safety is is uh, is not a bad thing, and it can be used for good. But we can also succumb to that desire of over controlling every aspect of our life, thinking that we must protect everything. And fear can set into your life and my life because we lose control. The men and women that serve in this country, that serve this country, those that have gone before them, had to forego those natural instincts, had to forego the natural fear that occurs by the trying to sustain our life, And they overcame those things for a greater cause, for a purpose. There's a story, a true story, from World War II. In December 24th of 1944, there was a private first class, a PFC, by the name of Vernon Haupt. He was in the the Battle of the Bulge. This was on the western front of the German line. And the soldiers had pushed their way, trying to push their way through, and the Germans turned. And they rerouted all of their energy to that western front and started to defeat the Allied forces. And everyone started retreat wildly, just running for their life out of fear and uncertainty that they were going to be overran. And they would jump on tanks and they would fill up trucks and they would there would be dozens and dozens sitting and hanging on to vehicles and tanks just trying to get away from the enemy. And there on that day was a was a private first class and he was unshaven. He had two knives strapped to him, he had a, a gun, and he was digging a hole on the side of the roll and a tank pulls up next to him on the road and they said, Are you looking for a safe place? And so he uh, said you can jump on the tank and we'll take you out of here and he was digging a hole very stoically and he looked up at him and said are you looking for a safe place if you are get behind me this is as far as they're going and then from there they mustered up the energy for those people to stop and get off their tank and to muster up a line and then through the night more and more gathered and they saw the gathering and they saw the strength starting to build Interestingly enough, that was the last offensive action that the Germans ever took in the war. And the for, and there, the, the force, it's called the force of the Aden's offensive, where they retreated back, they pushed the Germans back, and they won the battle. Now, I can't stand to say that it was because of one private first class that decided that he wasn't going to let the enemy push him any further. But I can tell you this, saints and friends, that, In this conflict that you and I find ourselves in, this conflict for liberty, this conflict for getting sin out of our life, you too can stop running. You can stop retreating. You can start to dig in to the gospel and understand that the enemy has no place and has no right in your life because the the Lord God, Jesus Christ, has prepared the way for us to be victors to find victory in the conflict of life. To live is to suffer, to suffer, to, to find suffering in a meaning is to understand life. You live life, you're going to have trials, you're going to have sufferings. But God has a way in which he can use the, the torments of life to strengthen us, to make us stronger, to understand how it is that he can use those times of uncertainty for his good. You know, I think many times you and I would like to just think we don't want to have any conflict. That'd be okay, wouldn't it? That day's coming. That's what we're working for, for that kingdom's sake. We find these words here in the, the uh, third book of Nephi, chapter 2. I, I have it written in my margin. It says, a mission. Behold, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, the son of God. I have been called of him to declare his word among his people that they might have everlasting life. I would offer this to you. Your life has purpose. Many times people are looking. There's a a reference I've used before of a book called man's search for meaning. Everyone's looking for a meaning. Oftentimes we see in this world today that many attach those meanings to social rights and justices. But there's a, those are fruits that are, that come forth out of a, a sinful nation, a sinful world. The root of the problem is sin. And until we deal with the root of the problem, the fruits are going to remain. And we're going to continue to fight. The fruits that we see come from the sinful nature of man. But you and I have the opportunity to be engaged in a higher work, a mission, if you will, to be in the gospel bonds of Jesus Christ. For it is our duty. For we find those words duty here in, in the book of Alma, chapter 5, looking at verse 38. It says, Awake to the sense of your duty to God. That ye may walk blameless before him, that ye may walk after the holy order of God, after which ye have been received. And now I would that ye should humble yourselves, humble and be submissive and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of patience and longsuffering, being temperate in all things being diligent in keeping the commandments of God at all times, asking for whatsoever thing ye stand in need, both spiritual and temporal, always returning thanks unto God for whatsoever thing ye do receive. And see that ye have faith, hope, and charity, and then ye will always abound in good works. Another margin Note that you all don't see. A, that's a formula, if you will. Oftentimes, we're looking for, we're looking for things that we can build on. How, what's a formula I can use in my life that would help me through this uncertainty? It's a trial. And when the trial comes, it's hard because we can be overcome by the, by the emotion of that, the fear that comes with that. But here's a formula for you to consider. Faith. Plus hope, plus charity, equals good works. That is our calling, saints. That is our that is our battle cry, that we would have charity in this world, the pure love of Jesus Christ, that we would trust in his love, that we would trust in that which he's provided for us. But that necessity for us to have hope. Hope in times of uncertainty, we find in the book of Ether. Chapter 5, I'm going to offer you to you, uh, verse 4 and then over to 41. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. And now I would commend you to seek this Jesus of whom the prophets and apostles have written that the grace of God, the Father, and also the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of them, may be and abide in you forever. Amen. And that is the Lord's call that we might receive. Oftentimes, there's a scripture, and I won't read it in Doctrine and Covenants, I believe it's 43 But it references that we could be sanctified. And oftentimes, I think we mistakenly think sanctification is by doing. Sanctification, it says, is by receiving. Is by making room in your heart to take the things of the world and set them aside in their proper place. To be in the world but not of the world. And allowing access to God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost to reside inside of you. And in doing so, we can have a strength and hope and that anchor, the anchor of Jesus Christ, to be able to press forward, as we are told, to be pressed forward into the conflict of the, sin, the sin-filled world. And these words, I hope, ring, ring uh, true to you as you recognize them. From 2 Nephi, chapter 13, speaking of pressing forward in the conflict. It says, Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. That is our promise, that we might have eternal life through Jesus Christ. That through his his sacrifice and his his love for each one, we would find that he is willing, able, and stands at the at the ready to be prepared to draw us out of that uh, the the sinful nature that can so easily beset us. Even as our, our Apostle Paul had mentioned, he calls us to seek for higher grounds. You know, we can uh, look through Scripture if. Uh, And find this in in different accounts. We get on this pathway of of trying to strive to do those things that are right. And we look back and it pauses us. We find in the book of Genesis where that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Where they fled from Sodom. And there they told to leave the plains and get up into the high ground. And they were given strict instruction. Don't look back at what you had. Go forward to higher ground. And as you all may remember, Lot's wife, for whatever reason, may have been drawn to something that uh, drew her more comfort than the Lord. And she looked back and it said that she was turned to a pillar of salt and she could no longer go forward. And in that process, we find that we have opportunity to let go of those things that are of the world and to hold on to the things that are of the kingdom building we find uh, also in, in scripture that in the process of doing this requires a sacrifice and suffering like we talked about of those that serve this land in Romans chapter 8 and 17 we are given these words in this this con- consideration of suffering and i would i would let you know that at times of uncertainty and suffering when you're pressing forward to the higher ground that you're not alone. We are told and, and given that instruction. I'm going to start up at 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Further down in, in 17 it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we. S- we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. Oftentimes, when we find ourselves in the midst of uncertainty and trial, we feel alone. Scripture says that's not true. If we're if we're searching for the Lord in our life, if we're looking for opportunity to serve, and trials are in our life, He has not left us alone. Christ is with us in that suffering. And in that uncertainty of life, these words, uh, I I would commend each of you to to take to heart. Um, I've used them many times, and I'm sure you may have uh, reflected on them. But also in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we find these words. It says, And we know that all things work together for good. There's two qualifiers here. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So God has a purpose for your life. If you if you have you believe that God has um, has substance in your life, that He has uh, relevance in your life, and you love Him, that we can see how it is that we have opportunity to grow, and that all things work together for His good. One thought came to me, and I'll put this towards the end of my comments here. And I've been subject to this and I don't criticize for this at all, but I've prayed that the Lord might return. And I thought about that. Who am I to say when he should return? Uh, The thing that came to me was recognition that Have you ever pondered that maybe why he hasn't returned is because his mercy in your life and my life? While the souls of men are dying, he's giving us opportunity to take his gospel into the world. He's given us opportunity through his mercy that we would take this time and have good stewardship of living a life that's a testimony. I think it was a brother... Brother Steve, I don't mean to embarrass him, that's up here with me, that mentioned that I've heard him say it, I don't know where he got it. But the, uh, the best sermon ever preached is the one they've seen lived out, and I didn't say it correctly. But the, if you're wondering what you can do, if you feel that you can't stand on the on corner and preach the gospel, or you don't have a position of leadership that others might recognize, you are a leader of your life. And the best sermon you can preach is the one lived out. And I, and I pray and I hope that you and I might be able to continue to live out that life of Jesus Christ. That we might be as him. And so I would commend to you these, these things as I depart that we would consider. That you and I might pray to seek God through his son Jesus Christ. That we might repent. You see, it says in the, I'm not going to read it, but in the, in the, book, of, in the uh, book of Mormon, we we're told that when you repent, you release the full power of Jesus Christ and His redeeming love. But that comes through repentance. By turning over those things in your life that are shortcomings, if you will, or sins, you release the full power of Christ to do His work in your life and in the world. That we might have hope in Christ. And in that hope, we have faith, that was mentioned this morning in, in Sunday school. And in that faith, we do not have fear. That we trust that the Lord's will is the way in which we wish to follow. And that can be challenging for me in my vocation. I want to control everything around me for safety purposes. They give me all these tools and exercise all these practices to do all these things in safety. Yet, I have to turn that stuff over to God and say, Lord... Your way is better than my way. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That we should have no fear. And that you and I should have charity, as mentioned before, which is a pure love of Jesus Christ, that we would trust that as we learn to give and sacrifice for others, that we might grow stronger, united together. I was going to share this testimony um, before I... Before I go, just by way of uh, remembrance of how it is that we, God, can take care of us in these stumbling blocks. And I've shared this before, but um, as I read in Psalms 27, I was reminded of this testimony. And it's, I guess, by a sense, a story of conflict but I, I share it for the purposes of letting you know that even when the adversary is near and you, it appears there's no way out, that the Lord has not forgotten you. I had opportunity as a as a commander here at the local department to lead a group of, of officers. Um, there was an evening where there was a... Um, a robbery for drugs uh, the person was beat up and shot uh, we went to the house and secured it and we did a canvas of the area to get a vehicle description to find out what we're looking for and that was around 630 around 11 or 1130 that night we found it over a few miles away at a little uh, little apartment place if you will and we set up on it, and we're waiting for it. And I've got people circled around it to try to wait for this vehicle to leave or somebody to come out of here so we can uh, try to remove this violent offender off the road and try to keep people safe. And in the midst of that, uh, a couple hours had gone by, and it was we were probably 2.30 in the morning. And um, we had had a couple cars go by, and we they left, and we stopped them. They all had guns in it. So we'd, we've we had somebody shot. We've had two people leave, and they've had guns and now a person walks out between us and takes off running uh, across uh, 23rd Street. There are right by Harris. There's a 7-Eleven with a grass field to the east of it with some ambient light, so it's really dark, and so we're, we're given chase, me and, and two other people, and there, there's certain things that you just learn to know in the process of doing work and going, going on the front lines, if you will, and... And we know that 85 to 90% of the population is right-handed. That's just something we practice to know. And his right hand goes into his waistband and he's, uh, he does what's the only thing I can describe as a death scream, which is generally in- indicates it's the last minute of doing just that last scream to do before they do something. And at the moment of trying to determine, um, what level of force do I use, and what authorization do I have to use it? Running through this grass field with ambient light at two in the morning, watching to see if I can justify any action. Um, I'm pondering this, so I'm running. What? How am I going to be viewed if I have to take this action? And in that very instant, as I'm making that, trying to make that decision, all of a sudden he falls down. And the gun comes out, and he falls about five feet from him, and we're right on top of him because we're right behind him. And we get on top of him, and and we get him handcuffed, and everything's secured. We get him in custody. It was the person that did the shooting, and the city's safer. And I looked around. And I was like, what caused him to fall? I looked around, and there was a little shrub tree that somebody cut off about 12 inches from the ground. And this whole field was... Grass. This is just grass, but there was one section in the dark that he didn't see, and he stumbled on it. He stumbled and fell. And so I want to read this scripture to you after telling you that experience. And I want you to know that although your adversary may not be in the physical nature, the fight is just still is real in the spiritual context. And you might not know how it is the Lord is going to take care of the problem in your life. But I can tell you through prayer and preparation that he will take care of all those things from Psalms 27, starting in verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked, even my enemy enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I am confident. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. Therefore I will offer in his tabernacle, sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry. When my voice have mercy upon me and answer me. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a path, in the plain path, because of my enemies. Thou didst say unto me, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you as we continue to wait on the Lord in his return. Let not sin have its way that we might dig in and be steadfast in our faith, trusting that God's love through his Son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice and his atoning blood has paved the way that we might have freedom and liberty.
0: Our brother has spoken well this morning. Please rise and sing with me hymn number 353, With a Steadfast Faith, Together Let Us Walk, after which we'll have our benediction by Elder Steve Willie. 353.